and it starts to scale that way. But I think having those three components of a, a good hiding around planning, batching your creative, and having tools that kind of hold your plan together, I think are important. Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Elevate Media Podcast. I am Chris Anderson, your host. Today we have the CEO of Opal on the show today, which is a platform that's used by well-known brands. You've probably heard of them like Target, Starbucks, Whole Foods. It's a platform that helps them get exceptional results. As an example, it's helped Target tell their story and create 300 pieces of content every day. The CEO of Opal, George Huff. Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast, George. Awesome, Chris. Thanks for having me. For sure, man. I'm excited to dig into your story, your journey a little bit. Uh, even maybe take some tips away from content strategy from your perspective. But before we dive into all the nitty gritty of that, would you rather speak all languages or be able to talk with animals? Having played Would You Rather on a two-hour car ride with my kids for over the weekend, I'm actually quite good at this game. Awesome. Uh, but I would say, uh, just given my interests, I think people are very fascinating. I, not to take anything away from the, uh, the animal world, but I would love to be able to speak all languages. I think so much of our so much of the things that are worrisome about the world come from people not understanding each other. And I think to be able to bridge that gap and maybe understand humans better would definitely be in my in my most interested, would be most interesting to me. Yeah, I would probably agree with you on that just because having the accessibility just to flip a switch and talk to someone from their native language would be really cool, even with AI and apps, things that we can use. But it's a hard one for me because I, I really do love animals and, you know, being able to talk to animals and see, hey, what's going on? I don't know. So one of my big goals is to have a, a many acres where I can do like a rescue for neglected dogs and like horses and things of that, like a, a big goal. So I guess, oh yeah, call me Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. I think that would be neat. But yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one, but that's cool. Yeah, I think. It would be neat to be able to speak many languages as well. So I feel like I can understand my dog and it's a lot of, I'm hungry now. I need to go outside. I'm bored. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It might get pretty annoying, I guess, because they're always wanting something, I'm sure. Have your kids on a recent trip to ask any good would you rathers? Have they brought up any good ones? You know, they're into potty talk right now. And so I, I'd rather not say on this, this respectable podcast, let's just say, I'll just leave it at that. There you go. Kids, they seem the darndest saying sometimes. Um, yeah. But cool, George. Again, I'm excited to chat with you today. I guess for a little background, just a quick kind of whatever your elevator speech is, tell us a little bit about Opal and what you do and, you know, what started that idea. Yeah, I think it's like a, it's a question that I'm constantly revisiting, just like I asked it a lot. And so I'll start at the beginning. I was in the digital media and marketing space. I had an agency of my own and was doing work for a big brand and helping them figure out like the internal orchestration of marketing plans and briefs and content and all that. And it blew my mind because on the outside, if you look at these brands and we're like, wow, they're so buttoned up. There's so much like veneer and they're, they're like, they know their brand voice. We talk about these things a lot, but on the inside of a large organization, it's chaos. And I've had this like initial spark of idea. What if there was this what if there was this system that helped solve this chaos, right? This is, if you think of the world of spreadsheets, PowerPoint and email and mad dashes and late nights and lost weekends, if you could just create a more sane world, that that would be pretty cool. And it started me on this path. 
for the last 10 years where, and we've had our ebbs and flows. I know it sounds like a long time, but we just started us on this path where we just understand a little bit more every single day. And that future we're building towards, I, I believe the opportunity is still there. I'm a, I think as an entrepreneur, the mountaintop's always in front of you. There's always that next horizon that you're trying to get to. And I think at, at times along the journey that it's like seem further away and, and closer and that sort of thing, but still on this path, still, still really see this opportunity out there to create the method marketing system that big organizations live by. And I think that's that that same problem is as real as today as it was 10 years ago. Some of the general purpose tools have gotten better, but for the most part, that's what we're getting for. Sim- there's similar systems for other parts of an organization, and we think marketing needs one. Yeah, I agree. I think marketing elevate, you know, myself, my journey, we've, it's only been, it's only a couple years old. And thinking through all the processes and things that we're building out, I think marketing out of all of them, like how you put it is chaos. It is like this always evolving, I don't know, just this big thing that you've got to try to figure out how to stay with the trends and how to innovate and how to do a podcast, do a YouTube channel, do we get on TikTok and morph with the changing times. And I think, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head that is needed even in these big, huge brands as well as startups. And so with that, I guess we could dive into the content strategy a little bit before we dive into your story personally. But what would you say are some ways that entrepreneurs starting out could maybe tame some of that chaos and be able to start marketing a little bit more st- succinctly in their brand? Yeah, I think you know, you, there's this flip, that, this, this flip that gets switched, I think. I think for anyone, when you're first starting out, you don't require a ton of sophistication. You just do the thing, right? You're, like, you're on TikTok or Instagram or whatever you're doing and you're whatever social channel or an email list or whatever it is, just doing the thing. And as you start to have other parts of your business grow, that you got to do these things as well. And whether that's your product or service starts to like demand more of you or whatnot or something else, I think that what happens is you need to start to be a lot more organized in marketing. And I don't know what that threshold is. Like, I think that's for every entrepreneur to decide. But there's this point at which you're like, geez, I just feel like I'm constantly tired. Marketing <laughs> thinks creativity. It's a very like human yep. endeavor. Now, maybe there's this world where one day you put it into chat GPT and you say, press button, do marketing, and that solves everybody's bills. And I think we're still a ways from that because I think there's still this touch that you've got to put on your content. And yeah. I think that only you as a founder know what that should feel like. And so I think as you're getting started, these are nascent ideas, but like, how do you get more organized around the content strategy? And I think there's there's ways to tackle that I could double click into, but ultimately yeah. it's about getting organized and then having like planning be a core part of your, of how you work versus flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah, I think if you will. Yeah, no, that's spot on, I think. And so with that kind of piggybacking on to what you mentioned there is how do we get organized? How do we structure it to to maybe have a little bit of a good linear path with that? I think a lot of people try to figure this out. There's tools out there that are like general purpose tools. I'd say every entrepreneur's first tool set, because we're not really, Opal is not a product you're going to buy for one or two people, right? So our target audience is primarily enterprise. But I think that some of the same rules apply. One is the sort of tools you use to house your content, right? So that could be a calendar, it could be a spreadsheet, whatever it is, right, that you have. Um, And then, you know, your modality or that planning exercise. So like at a big organization, they're having like weekly editorial meetings, right? Where they're like coming together and they're reviewing what the plan is. And they're like looking at the latest content for that plan. And then like they're looking at the next, like whatever that cycle is. Like some of our customers... One of the things we look at is like lead time in our platform because our customers use our platform for planning. So they put, hey, placeholder sticky note here or whatever. Gotcha. And that lead time, 
is something that we pay attention to because I say, hey, if, they're, if they have a good planning practice, their lead time is longer. Whereas if I go back to what I said a second ago of flying by the seat of your pants versus being a planner, if you're flying by the seat of your pants, you're literally like pulling up Instagram, recording yourself, saying something, hitting posts, and that's, that's your content strategy, right? Yeah. Some people are prolific at that. That works for you and you love it. Don't change. Right. But I just think that for organizations, you become, if you go from like solopreneur to, to be know, able to scale, see and to mm-hmm. scale, that's where that, that starts to not work as, as well. And so I think, I think it's just, it's that, right? It's that, where are you housing it? What's like right format for you? What's your practice of checking in on your plan? And then what's your content like development process? And again, if you're a small shop, trying to do a little bit of content development every day may not be the right move for you. So some I've seen some people or teams where they're like, hey, on this, we're going to batch a bunch of stuff on this yep. day to take care of our content plan. But you can start to see it turn into this machine. And when you start to scale that machine, you need better tools, more rigor around your planning exercises. Like maybe you have a creative team that does content and it starts to scale that way. But I think having those three components of a, a good hiding around planning, batching your creative and having tools that kind of hold your plan together, I think are important. Yeah, I think that is a big thing. And I think it's something that evolves as we go, as you grow in your business and your whatever small team, agency, whatever you get to. I, and I think that's a lot of people, I, and I, at least from my perspective, talking with individuals, it's, I don't necessarily know what content to create. I don't know what to post about. And I think right. from your opinion, does that come from lack of knowing who they serve or is there another way to help spark that content creativity flow? That's like a, that's such a, that's such a good question. There's, there's all, I think there's, and even big brands wrestle with that same thing. But a CMO, I know that probably gave me the best advice around this is that you've got to start your content planning. A lot of people think of, oh, I'm marketing this thing, this product or service that like I care about. So I'm going to like blast into the world and you do it like, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. And so when a sort of three-year-old walks in a room of adults having a conversation, they're like, I'm hungry, whatever they have to yeah. say. And so you end up being that three-year-old if that's like how you think about it. So the CMO basically said, you have to start with what's going on in your in your audience's lives when you start any kind of marketing planning at all. And if you do that, then you will be coming in with con- like a context of the room, so to speak, right? And be able to come in and say, hey, this is, this is, this is what we're about and here's how it ties to what you're about and here's like us making this connection for our product or service. So that'd be like, that'd be sort of my advice is start with the cultural kind of calendar. But there's other ways too, right? There's other trends that are happening. I'm sure you probably have a lot of things you look at that are great answers to this question. You definitely have to quote unquote get in the room and just be a fly on the wall and just figure out like what's going on in, in your audience's lives and thinking back to from their perspective, like, what are they going through? What are they trying to overcome? What are they trying to accomplish and come from that perspective can sometimes simplify that. Sometimes I've been there. This is my, from my personal experience, we just overthink it. We just yeah. try to make it too complicated and, and try to make it perfect and think about well, it. And everything that you do has to go viral or, get yeah, right. or whatever. And you're like looking at metrics and getting depressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a cycle for sure. Yeah. Being able to know the audience know the content connects with them, just being consistent and doing the best you can. I think the growth will come. But yeah, I think when we stare at the metrics and just worry about going viral, I think that's when it, it seems harder because we're not yeah. getting those instant results. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, and it, it's really important. This is more of a mindset thing, I think, than a, an actual marketing thing. But if, you, if you're like in service of who is your audience, what do they care about and what are you trying to provide to them? Yeah. And that 
you're constantly trying to build, create the best product for your audience. That's the way that stuff really in a, in a sort of, people talk about that, right? They share that, but they, can, they can just tell. And you kind of look at some of the folks out there who have done really well, um, especially like within your, your sphere, right? At the media sphere, it's, it's just this kind of constant pro- on product and service. And I think it's tough to, it's tough when you're both the analytics person and the creator. And like, I think the solo project, your journey, my wife's on that journey. I get yeah. to watch it firsthand and just watch uh, the challenges with it because it is lonely. But, yeah. I, and it's definitely what I was saying about finding ways to dip into different roles in chunks of time rather than wearing every single hat all the time. I think that's a tough space to be in. Basically separate yourself, separate those jobs, time block, whatever you want to call it on your schedule to be able to get things done and not feel so overwhelmed. I think it's definitely something, a part of the journey. I just thinking back, like I said, we're young. How about you? Like, 10 years into it, which is cool. We've had a lot of guests recently who they're coming up on 10 years and it just seems like a cool milestone. That journey for you, you, looking back over those last 10 years, any moments that stick out in your mind that were like, I guess, pivotal moments that either you were on the fence, am I going to keep going with this? Or ones that are like, wow, this is happening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So many. (laughs) I'm sure. uh, So many good and bad. Everything from party ways with co-founders to being in lawsuits to winning big deals to being in the realm with big companies when they're launching like like culturally relevant products that like we know everyone's going to be talking about. Like just there's been so many moments along the way. As far as moments of, should I wrap it up? Should I sell it or whatever? I think as putting my CEO and board member hat on, it's definitely what's our fiduciary responsibility to look at deals and explore options all the time because that's what you're supposed to do. But as a founder, which I'll say, put that other hat aside, as a founder, I you live in spirit of those that have walked the path before you and like who your heroes are. So like when I think about Steve Jobs, I don't think about Steve Jobs, the CEO and board member. I think of Steve Jobs as like the founder. I'm a big, I've been a big fan of Apple's rise and, and come back and pay attention to Jobs a lot. But he does say something that's really important, which like, it's like a mantra that I live by, or at least something that I live by, which is that like what he said over time, what separates the people who are successful from those who aren't, I'm paraphrasing, it's probably said a little bit more eloquently, but what separates them is just like that they don't give up, right? That they just keep going and they they keep getting creative and finding a way through. And eventually you're if you keep working at it, your successes outweigh outweigh your failures, so to speak. And I believe that. In ten years in, we probably have had numerous points at which we could say maybe like putting the CEO hat back on, oh okay, you sell here, maybe sell here. But as a founder, I'm like the mountaintops ahead of me, like that again, right? It's that horizon that I see. And I'm someone who, I guess I would say I'm more of, and this sounds extremely weird to say, but I would say I'm more in the visionary CEO camp than the operator CEO camp. And so I just have this big vision for our company. And I'm like, so excited to pursue that every day in where I stand. That's awesome. Yeah. And along the journey and something I've learned just even recently is there's always going to be peaks and valleys, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we navigate those without obviously celebrating the wins. You can be frustrated in the valleys, but how to stay as even keel as we can, right? How can yeah. we can just navigate that in a more linear and not follow that roller coaster of emotions at least? Yeah. Do you have anything that keeps you grounded when those moments happen? Even 10 years in, I'm still I'm sure you still have those moments where you're like, okay, well call now. Here we go. Yeah, totally. It's funny because I, I look back on I've been self-employed for around 15 years. So okay, awesome. the Opal journey has been 10. So I had a company before that. And like right in the, I've never, oh, I'm going to sell this and then take a break for a while and start something new. That's I think what like normal entrepreneurs do. Maybe <laughs> I don't know what I am, but 
I have this pattern of overlapping things. And so with Opal, I was like, I got to stop. I got to just stay in one thing. So I had an agency and I was overlapping Opal with that agency for a period about of about 18 months. And that was really hard. In fact, I, I would say that the challenges I went through with that, that period of time actually outweigh any of the challenges I've seen today in the last 10 years. So let's how I say I haven't had challenges, but like at that point I was, I got like a kid, I got a kid on the way, I got five grand in my bank account and both my companies are in massive debt. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. And I'm like, and and I'm like one bad email away from bankruptcy. And this is like circa 10 years ago. Yeah. 2012, something like that. And, and so my wife bought me a retreat package, which sounds extravagant. So don't think spa, think <laughs> like camping in, in or sleeping, you know, like a tent nice. in the woods by a river. Nice. Uh, it, it is a, in a silent meditation retreat for a cool three, three days or something like that. Yeah. But anyways, I picked up meditation and when I get really wobbly is what I call what you're talking about. You can feel it in your spirit. It's just a little bit like all right here. Yeah. And all entrepreneurs get it because it's, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it or something like that. But yeah, so I jokingly say two a days. Like it's a two a days. If I, if I meditate for 20 minutes twice a day when I'm at my most wobbly, it's wild what happens. Like I go from, I slingshot out of the wobble into like my vision and then when you can see that, you have something that pulls you through that. It gives you excitement. You're not just like suffocating. And so it's like finding that that thing for yourself. A lot of people swear by exercise. I have a Peloton behind me, but it, it does the, but yeah, that, that's it for me is meditation, healthy meditation practice, checking in with myself and allowing my mind to wander in that space and see the future a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a great no, some everyone could take away and whatever you think of meditation, whatever, but like taking the moments to yourself in silence, like whatever yeah. that looks like for you, whether that be meditation, whether that be prayer, whether that be whatever it is, like those moments, it's such a relief, no matter where you're high or low, because it is like a centering type thing. You can really almost take a step back outside of everything that's going on and Re recenter, readjust. And, and yeah. like you said, get that vision back. And so I love that. I think it, it's a crucial piece to to navigating this journey as an entrepreneur, because like you said, it's not easy. If it no. was ever and, the, and the thing is, I don't particularly pity entrepreneurs. If you think right. about struggle and stress and all that, entrepreneurs are last on my list, even though I, I am one. Right. Because like we signed up for this. So sorry, you're stressed or sorry, it's not going well for you or sorry, we signed up for this journey and there's nothing more selfish than an entrepreneur wallowing in their feelings and being all upset. And so if you think about selfishness, like you, the self, you are the one that's at the center of that, right? And that stress that is being caused is because you are the like star of your own movie. I think yep. meditation, staring at the ocean, staring at the yep. stars, these are things that remind us that this is both a once in a once one time happening in the universe this moment and the vastness of it all it's take a breath like it's just time will keep going and things will change and this is this there's an impermanence to it all yeah anyway it's easy to say harder to do oh uh, that's been right my own, my own kind of philosophical side of it and then the practice i engage in it is meditation it's through meditation that's awesome i love that yeah i think if, and if anyone can just find a healthy outlet to just reassent and readjust i think that's crucial but yeah i think what you said right there just like staring at the ocean or you being in a forest or being on a mountain and looking at the stars in the sky, like you just realize truly just how small we are in this whole universe. And this moment is like fleeting and this life is so quick anyways. And so I think it helps you hopefully readjust and see what matters because that's something at least, and at least here perspective. So you said early on you had a kid and another one on the way. And so that's where I'm at right now 
any week now in May 2023. Yeah, <laughs> we're our second's supposed to be here. Yeah. So it's like remembering what matters. And growing the business is huge and it's a crucial piece to providing and the goals that we're striving for are bigger than ourselves and things of that nature. But to remember it it is just it's just a business. It's just whatever. It's what does really matter is our relationships and our, you know, our health that sometimes can take a back burner, but trying not to have that happen. How did you balance everything as you were growing Opal with family and with health? I know you said obviously yeah. taking moments of meditation, but yeah, it's a really good question. And everyone's kind of circumstances are a little bit different. I can't say that I've always been the best about being present, especially when they were littler, because I found engaging with them, everybody relates different ages differently. I really struggle with their early ages because I'm, I think I'm more, a little bit more cerebral, right? It's just hard for me to take it to that level with children and babies. I get, you know, off of the next. And so what's interesting that if you're cerebral, like this little black square for rectangle <laughs> in my hand. So I, I think that. I've tried to be more cognizant of that, but I think I still struggle with it to a certain degree. But when they're, when they're, when the kids get older, you gotta, there's more things that you have common interest in. It's like my oldest right now, she's 11, way into basketball. And so it's okay, let's go play. Let's let me engage in her sports with her and take in, in the fall, I was to- helping coach the basketball team. So it was awesome. Taking an hour a week and then like on the weekends going. And so it's just like finding ways to engage. But I think a big part of it is the emotional engagement rather than just time. And I think that's the part that's probably both the most important thing, but also probably the hardest as you're going through the entrepreneurial journey, because you're like dealing with, I don't know, existential crisis constantly over here. And then, hey, I'm here for you. I'm creating a safe environment for you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm emotionally available. I think reconciling those things are really hard. And I think that as a species, or at least as a culture, I think we're getting better at that, or at least we're aware of it. I'm not saying something mind-blowing right now. I think most of us understand that that sort of balance. But I think if you go back through time, you look at like our parents and our parents and like their ability to both reconcile that need to provide with that need to be there in a sort of emotional way. It's a bit blurrier than it used to be. And anyway, it's a fascinating topic though, but it's just yeah. engaging with them emotionally and trying to find those common things you can do where you're both interested in them, you and your child. Yeah, I, that's how I've been able to do it. My kids are pretty awesome. I'm happy with them so far. That's I'm awesome. Do, the, do, the, do, do any of them? Do any of them show any like interest or like entre, entrepreneurial like mindset? Have they thought in that regard? Yeah, well, yeah. It's super. Like you ask the kid what they want to be. It's funny because you get like things that are just like when I was a kid, I wanted to be an MLB baseball player. Even though they're like before finding out that I was actually not that good at baseball, but it's, we've been in that stage. But I think in our family. We talk about business a lot because, and we don't, I think, I don't know, there's probably like the right way to do these things. As a parent, you're just trying to do your best. I think most of the time, just like you're as like a boss and you're just trying to do your best. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in both parenting that make you a better boss and things in bossing that make you a better parent. So yeah, I think as we, yeah, as we get, as they grow, you just throw these things back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, like I said, my my first is just eighteen months, and we're, our second's going to be here any week now. Well, so you're going to be in it. Yeah, so it's, it's just interesting to knowing how I grew up with my dad working in management at a fact like normal, like back in the day, and then seeing how my wife's parents worked and their upbringing. Like so now, my wife's a teacher, and I'm able to work and build this from home and be around a lot more, and we're almost to the point where my wife could not teach if she chose to and having both people like I don't just the changes that this could hopefully positively 
have going forward and rippling out within generations is just oh it's not like really interesting yeah and not to get overwhelmed with it because obviously you know the indiana jones quote i'm making this up as i go kind of thing i try to figure it out and like how to incorporate everything and just teach them yeah it's just an exciting scary fun adventure i guess yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You just, you have to remain curious on both sides of your life. If you're curious in your business and you're curious with your kids, I think everything that's out okay. The second you think you have it all figured out, I think things go sideways for you. For sure. Yeah. That so you, you kind of be learning and learning because I will say the hubris I had about business and my philosophy and everything, I got kicked in the teeth on many times. All right. And there's lessons in that. And I thankfully, so I have two daughters and I grew up with a sister, a younger sister. And so I got front seat to a dry run for sort of yeah, that. Right. Know? But I remember that. And I'm like, okay, I remember my parents doing this and not to put it in one camp or another gender wise, but like there, there's some things I was like, okay, like I, I'm not like, so it's not so alien to me to watch like young girls grow up. I saw my sister grow up and so just, right. okay, I've got at least like a little bit of a blueprint. And so, yeah, it's. But I do think it is that sort of showing interest in their world and curiosity. Yeah. How are you doing? What are you thinking about? Kids are fascinating too. They really are. Once they get to that age where they can speak and yeah. have their own opinions and it's cool. You'll like it. I'm excited for you, but also you got a rough few years ahead of you because having okay. you under four yep. for anyone challenge of a lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> we're definitely open to it. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be something. Come to the end of the episode. If you could either go back 10 years or meet someone who's just starting out doing the same thing you did when you started. Is there a word of advice? If there is there something motivational that you would tell them? Any warnings or anything like that? What would you leave with them? It's going to sound cliche maybe, but I would say don't believe hype. And I say that because I think the thing that gets you off the ground is not, is not the same thing that sustains you, which is weird, right? So like when things are getting off the ground, you have to believe your own hype because you're, uh, you need that, right? You just need to like have this irrational belief to get the thing going against all odds, statistical, day-to-day headlines, whatever it may be. But then once you find some success, I think it's the time you need to stop being that way. And I think it's counter to what you would naturally do. And I say that because I think that if you think you got it all figured out, going back to what I said about curiosity a second ago, that's when you start making some really critical mistakes. So yeah, that'd be my advice is just staying humble as you go through your journey and know that like your wins aren't all your fault and neither are your losses. Yeah, It's just like you, you kept your feet moving right place, right time, and we're around to hit that sort of opportunity. So yeah, that, that'd be my advice. I love it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And your wins aren't all your fault and neither are your losses. I like that. Again, George, it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and everything you've provided and things that our audience can implement and think on and grow with. And as we round out here, where uh, is it best for people to get connected with you, reach out to you and find out more about what you do? We have a website, obviously. So it's workwithopal.com. But we have a offer for people if they want to, if they're within, if they're working on marketing teams or if they're, you know, of a certain size, if they just want to check it out, um, we have a 14 day trial of Opal. So they can learn more about that there. It's opal.show slash elevate. And otherwise you can find me on LinkedIn. If you want to reach out and engage further, happy to always talk to people and, and help them through their own journey with advice or whatever that may be. But yeah, it's been great talking to you, Chris. Thanks for having me on. And I hope the best and the little ones that are going to soon to be here, both of them. Yeah, yeah for sure. We really appreciate that and appreciate everything you shared today. Again, thanks for being on the Elevate Media Podcast, George. 
Awesome. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.